Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Hello, hello, hello. It's Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding, and I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and to advance mission. And that might be the mission of the nonprofit that you're working at, or if you're a nonprofit consultant or freelance grant writer, the many different missions that the nonprofits that you're working with. But before we get started in our amazing episode today about words not to use, what not to use in grants, I love this episode, I also want to let you know that our grant professional mentorship is open until June 30th. So this is a program, it's actually either a year long or six months long, but you'll actually, even if you join in June, you get access to the entire year's recording of our master classes, our hot seat workshops, and so much more. So if you wanna have a community and actually have a lifeline to resources and to people that you can ask questions about, like, oh my gosh, I'm submitting a grant and to a client and this situation came up and I need some feedback, or I'm sending a, a proposal in and I'm not sure, is this enough money to cover my costs, do you guys think? All of those types of questions that you are going to have as a freelance grant writer, this mentorship, I actually built it because I know how important it is to have feedback, to have a lifeline out there of folks that are in the same situation as you that you can ask questions about, right? Because asking these types of questions to people who aren't in business, they have no idea, right? But somebody who may have had that similar or the same situation um, can really respond in a better way and can help you advance your business. So we also have master classes involved and we meet twice a month. So this is a really, really great thing. Um, it's not just a course where we meet for six or eight weeks. It is for the rest of the year that you can be in and have this support while you're building your business. So all you freelance grant writers out there, if you're thinking about opening a business, you really want a lot of feedback and support while doing so, or you may be new in your business and just still like, oh my gosh, is, can this even work? How can I make this work where it's profitable, right? Or you could be seasoned, but hey, you still need that support. You still want to talk to other people that are a step or two ahead of you in certain in a certain way or think differently or have a different approach, and you can tap into those resources instead of spending hundreds of hours trying to figure it out yourself, right? So definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com for more information. You can click on mentorship and um, definitely uh, get in get in because the doors are only open until June 30th. This is our mid-year opening. Um, and we will not open the doors again until we're ready for our 2023 mentorship program. Another thing that's expiring at the end of the month is our super early bird price to the nonprofit consulting conference on August 25th and 26th. So if you want to join that virtual two-day conference, definitely sign up before June 30th because you will get this super early bird prize. That is gonna be amazing. So we have a lot of things in store for you for you freelance grant writers and nonprofit consultants in the month of June. And of course, for all of today's show notes, please go to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 224. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. What words not to use and what not to do in grant writing applications. Number one, do not use ambiguous language. Okay, ambiguous language is like meh. So what do I mean by that? Do not use words like lack of, too few, not enough, miscellaneous, 
etc. What you should use instead are things like numbers. So instead of saying lack of, saying there are none or there are only two, right? If you're saying too few, instead actually put percentages or numbers once again. Don't use these amb this ambiguous language that really has no parameters. Be concise when you're writing. Remember, numbers and percentages are great ways to actually be specific and not be ambiguous. Now let's talk about the word miscellaneous and etc. Right? So miscellaneous, you also don't want to use this. And I see this a lot of times in, in budgets like office supplies and miscellaneous. So no, instead you're going to be putting down like how much paper you need and how much that costs. And it's also going to be paper, ink for cartridges and all of those. You're actually going to include what it is in there. Okay. Don't use etc. Don't use miscellaneous for that. The other thing I see is etc. So once again, take it out. Take that word out. You don't need it there, right? So you can just be precise with what you actually want and take out that word because that is an ambiguous word. We don't want any ambiguity with writing grants. That's going to lead to confusion. When I actually review grants and I see, oh, there's a lack of uh, services in the area. And I'm like, well, does that mean there's five other services? None? Like how many? How do I really know what the need is when you're giving me ambiguous language? Other words not to use are things like very. It's very, very bad in our area. Well, what does that mean? Once again, replace words like very with percentages <laughs> and with numbers, right? Use specifics once again. We have a 64% poverty rate among 12 to 17 year olds in our certain community, right? Be specific with that, not just it's very bad here or the poverty rate is very high, right? So don't use words like very. Once again, use specific statistics, uh, numbers, percentages. That leads me to don't use words just like it's really hard to live here. Once again, tell me how, why. Tell why, use percentages. And if you're gonna give certain percentages, here's another little side tip. And if you say, well, we have a 64% poverty rate in this area among this age limit, then that's good, but go the extra mile and compare it to what the national average is or the state average. Because if you can show me that, you know, our geographic area between you know 12 to 17 year olds is 64% poverty rate compared to the national average of 30%, then I really see the need, then it's very clear. So don't just say it's very bad here, right? Show percentages on, and then also compare it to broader context so you can really understand what the problem is. Emotional language, here's my fun one. All right, you guys, so using really emotional, emotional language and making everything so sad and desperate really isn't going to get grant reviewers' attention, right? Every single grant that comes in, there is a need for that program. There is an, and there's so many needs out there and they're all worthy of money. They're all worthy of being solved, right? These problems that are being solved. But we don't say, tell me, convince me how sad I can be and I'll give you the money. That is not how it goes at all. So don't use super emotional language. Instead, use things like statistics. Like instead of saying, it's really sad here and people are just really depressed and these kids and you know, and telling me this, and, and that's not really gonna get my attention. I understand there's a need, but if you show me, we have a 64% poverty rate compared to the national average of 30%. 
that is going to get my attention. Not emotions, stats. That's a statistics will actually lead to my emotions, but this is needed. Do you see the power in that? The next thing, flowery language. Now, there is a time and a place for poetry and creative writing. I'm all about that. And your grant doesn't have to be completely dry. You can throw a little bit in there. But when it's too poetic, when there's prose all over that grant, really you're not answering the criteria. You're kind of like trying once again to convince me through some kind of level that will lead to emotional and it's not gonna get me there when you're using all of this poetic prose. Be simple in your language, get to the point. Too much academic language. All right, when you're using super big words and you're using thesauruses to make it sound better, that's really not gonna get the grant reviewer's attention. And anything, they're gonna be scratching their head and they're just gonna say, oh, this was hard to read, right? Remember, reviewers are people. And there is a time and a place for certain types of language that may not be layman's terms. On average, though, I say write for an eighth grade level, okay? Make it simple and easy to understand. However, there are certain scientific grants where you might be using scientific terminology, um, and that's okay if it makes sense. Um, but know that every re reviewer might not have the same degree or academic um, interest as you. They may just have had experience in that sector, so they might understand some of what you're saying, um, but they might not understand everything. So they don't always just pick grant reviewers specifically just from that one tiny niche. Sometimes they kind of have to go a little bit broader, so in the sciences in general, to be able to have them come on. They do try to keep it as specific as po possible, but you may not always get that. So if you are using big like scientific language, um, make sure you also kind of describe it as well in the beginning and make sure you don't use too much of it um, that it doesn't overpower your grant. But with academic writing and making it just sound too studious, do try to keep it more to an eighth grade level. Um, just keep it simple. You don't have to write super long uh, sentences and use complicated grammar. Just keep it as simple as you can. So those are tips on what to do and what not to do, right? So once again, so number one, don't use ambiguous language. Instead, use things like percentages, numbers, specific language. Number two, if you are using percentages, also make sure you compare it to the broader context. So national, state averages, those kind of things. The next thing, don't use all this emotional language. Be more clear, use more stats, use more sources to really back up what your problem is. Don't use super flowery and poetic prose. Once again, write simple, write clear. Don't be too academic or too technical in your writing. Remember, you're gonna have a group of reviewers who may be in your space, but they may fall on the edge of that, so you still wanna write to their language because they're going to be tired reviewing those grants. I'm telling you, you get a lot at once and it's a very short amount of time. So bring it back to a, a layman's terms as much as possible. Yes, if it's scientific, do put in some scientific terminology, but explain it and still tr keep it very simple. All right, those tips are going to help you become a better grant writer. The do you know I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode on grant writing and funding, words not to use in your grant writing applications. For all of today's show notes, jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 224. And remember, if you are a freelance grant writer or a nonprofit consultant, you're definitely going to want to join our grant professional mentorship while the doors are open. So please do check out more there. And 
you might want to also join the Nonprofit Consulting Conference on August 25th and 26th. So do jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com for more information uh, to get the super early bird price. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review as it does help other people find the podcast. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.